You're listening to the Pitch Deck Podcast. Welcome to the Pitch Stack Podcast, episode 22, the 22nd episode. I And the year. I'm, of the year, yeah. No, no, and also the year. It's the year oh, yeah. 22 of the 2000th century, or the second yeah, this century. Is, uh, this could second be our meta episode yet. <clears throat> right? I, I don't Stumbling know. Stumbling all over. Uh, Matt, how are you doing today? Good. Cool. Quite okay. Well... You know, I, I figure we'll just get right to it. Let's talk about some people uh, that are doing exceptionally well. And uh, I'm pretty sure you're amongst them. And that's Viscerai players all over the world. As oh, yeah. Battle Hardened Portland occur- occurred last week. And um, we saw Viscerai take it home. And there was quite an eclectic top eight. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, Matt, what are your thoughts? I think that uh, people are now realizing, if they haven't already, that Viscerai will be a top contender for Pro Tour Lille and for the Nationals seasons uh, all over the world. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, also for the World Championship. Yeah, uh, I agree wholeheartedly. It's... um. It's a very good deck right now. Uh, and one of the reasons I think Viscerai is so good right now is currently it is an aggro-dominated meta. So all these decks um, are prepared to deal with aggro decks. However, with the amount of aggro happening, uh, especially in terms of just like raw physical combat damage, it's very difficult to set up a deck that deals with consistent damage on two fronts. And I think that's why Viscerai continues to get there. Right. No, I mean, absolutely. It's that that's always been Viscerai's selling point is that sure his his attacks, you know, you don't have uh high stats on their on the power for the cost, but you do have split damage more often than not. And then that also can be multiplied by like several effects if you have cost reduction. If you have Morgitide, you know, triggering Viscerai's effect multiple times, letting some damage slip through with a uh, Mavrian Skies, you know, that's, these are all factors that, uh, you know, play into the deck and how it performs so well and how it can split damage. Yeah. And you know what's interesting is if you look through the top four, uh, Prism decks aside, um, well, I mean, even yeah. even the Prism decks in the top Prism four, seems to be a stain that we just can't erase. <laughs> well, the, all the decks are very interesting, and I think this has to deal with the way that the uh, the meta is right now. And I am seeing an awful lot of two and one ofs that I previously just had not seen in this game. It was pretty much everything was a three of, and occasionally you'd throw in a two of. Um, but now Ooh. it looks like a lot of these decks are having to spread out and deal with so many threats in this meta currently that we're seeing a lot of two and one ofs. Um, I know you you told me earlier that 
there were a lot of bizarre splits in the winning viscerai. Mm-hmm. Um, uh huh. Which I mean, I agree completely. It's it's a it's a weird uh, it's a weird deck. So I think that maybe I mean this might be this might just be like the um, intimations of something on the horizon. Uh, but I feel like deck construction in Fab is going to take a turn. Yeah. In the long run, like I don't think that you know decks will consistently and continue to unless you know it's a new threat that hasn't been tested against often and it doesn't have enough answers um, that can just be a consistent aggro you know push damage deck um, decks that run three ofs of every copy of a good version of a card you know like three ofs of the red card of the red version three ofs of the majestics right. Um, I think decks you'll see in the future uh, start to trim down uh, cards and do more one-ofs, two-ofs of cards. Um, A little bit kind of like in Magic, there are, in Magic, playsets are actually four-ofs, not three. Um, Anyone who doesn't know. Um, Yeah. But in Magic, a lot of the competitive decks trim playsets, and they don't actually go for full, you know, full sets of certain cards they actually do like two ofs of some utility cards one ofs of you know key pieces that they don't need multiple of you know uh just those kinds of you know those kinds of splits in their deck lists are very common in magic and they are not common in flesh and blood in flesh and blood it's a if you look at most flesh and blood deck lists they're all like three of three of three of three of three of maybe you'll see a two of Right, rarely a one of unless it's like a legendary card. You can only run yeah. one of in the deck, or it's specialization that has like a high cost. Right, like uh, pulverize is a very common one of, or yeah. uh, you know that kind those kinds of cards. But uh, most frequently, it's three of. And I think that this deck list is really interesting. I'm I'm not like sold 100 percent on it, but I mean it's got to be good if it made it to this the end of this battle hardened, uh, and it won. You know. Um, whether it's good enough for like the upcoming uh, tournaments like Nationals, Pro Tour, who knows? But uh, I'm very interested to see how this uh, deck list plays out with the two ups. Yeah, absolutely. and the one ups particularly because it's all very toolboxy, you know. I guess uh, with Viserai as the aggressor um, and split damage, like anytime you run into a control matchup, you are going to hit those one ups, and maybe that's that's what's uh that's what it is like i think you're perfectly fine throwing in one ups that are good against the control matchup because you are going to see that second cycle you will likely go through your entire deck um which is interesting like there that's a whole aspect of deck construction that i'd never really considered before um and then going through all of these lists it's so weird because they are all all over the place however uh, Peter Sundholm, his Prism deck consists entirely of three ofs, and uh, this Bravo deck that made the top eight is almost entirely of three ofs as well. So it's a it's it's a very interesting meta right now, and the deck actually more than this Viscerai deck that won the deck that sticks out to me the most from the top eight is um I got to be honest I don't really understand New Zealand. Uh, but they're this dash list that they call Wombat Dash. And it was explained to me why it is called Wombat Dash. Like, 
I knew of a deck called Wombat Dash. Like, I had heard this before. It was a real thing. Like, people were talking about Wombat Dash. I was like, this is the, I have no idea what's going on. Maybe I don't really understand Wombats. To this day, I couldn't really tell you what a Wombat is. Uh, from what I understand, it's kind of like a, uh, kind of like a beaver mixed with a koala bear. Um, it's like a, yeah, like very much like a beaver because it's got kind of like a little paddle for a tail. Uh, but it's like cuddly and like cute looking like a koala. Like yeah. You said. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's so uh, they're Australian, though, or New Zealand. Yeah. So I guess the reason they call this Wombat Dash is um, it's a uh, it's defensive, but it boosts a lot uh, and Wombats are fast. And I okay. was very upset to find out that that's why it's called Wombat Dash. Like, I thought for sure it was something way weirder. Um, yeah. Like running the rifle instead of the pistol, you know? I mean, to be fair, I, we are, they did pick an animal that has an attacks on humans sub article in its Wikipedia. Like, that's limited to just a handful <laughs> of animals, you know? <laughs> it's like bears, I guess so, huh? arts, wombats. Um, so. I don't know. Shrimps I don't kind of have uh, shrimps don't have an attack on humans uh, subcategory there. Pr- but do prawns? They <laughs> might. Know. They're pretty crawdads. <laughs> They're like evil shrimp. Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of uh, lost thumbs. Um. So wombat dash is really cool, especially because I don't know anybody that's accidentally ever pulled a like a Teclo Foundry heart, or if you just traded for one. If you look at this wombat dash list, you'll just be like, "Oh, I have those cards." Like. <laughs> And I think that's why it's very cool. Um, who's to say if it was just some sort of weird, uh, I don't know, it just, like some sort of weird, like, what's the word I'm looking for? An outlier deck that just happened to get there. Well, I think it's, it's a response to the meta. Like it, it sadly is kind of like it places exactly where you think it would. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it's uh, an answer to the aggressive meta that can push damage and also be very defensive when it matters right so in, in a sea of viscerize fies and other aggressive decks it can really uh put a hamper on them especially you know with the items against like arcane damage and stuff um her her items are very good i don't know if that's what they're running but um it didn't actually didn't seem like they're doing that actually like a very item uh a very item thin list. Yeah. But, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, like it, it placing in fourth is, uh, or third, fourth or third, uh, you know, I, th- I think that dash is very good in the meta against certain decks, but I think it does struggle a little bit against certain other heroes. The, uh, cool. yeah, I think that's correct. That seems correct to me. Like dash seems to be, like the most consistent or safest deck. Uh, the other weird thing about this top eight is there was a Dromai deck. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It was a ghostly touch semblance deck. Um, and it's weird. It's real weird. Uh, I couldn't tell you what's going on here with this Dromai deck. It's, uh, it, I mean, you're only running one Uvia, which I think is correct. Um, you want to minimize, weirdly enough, your Aether Ashwings. Um, yeah, this was a really bizarre deck. And it, uh, 
I, I don't know what it was beating or how it was doing it, but yeah, Dramai made the top eight of Battle Hard in Portland. Wow. Yeah, I mean, the list seems actually pretty cool. Like, I'm I'm very I'm a big fan of this list. I've I've heard of the very super heavy, top heavy red uh lists. Uh finally yeah. happy to see it. Uh no erase face, which is interesting. Um which is very bizarre. Three Oasis Respite, which I think is great. Uh, Phantasmoclasm makes a lot of sense. Uh, running Sand Cover instead of D-Reacts, which mm-hmm. I think is very cool. Uh, yeah, what a weird list. I think and I prob- wonder what Ghostly Touch did. Well, I think that um, the the absence of uh, a race face probably has to do with the fact that this deck does really well into... Uh, Fi, I think just the way it's constructed with all the defensive stuff. Yeah, um, maybe, maybe I'm just imagining that. Uh, there was no Fi to be mentioned in the top eight, so I mean, she had to have taken down a few Fi's along the way. Um, semblance obviously there to protect your uh, phantasm. Uh, but the ghostly touch is a really good late game feeder, uh, and it's and semblance is a really good way to protect that too. Um. Yeah, it's weird, man. It's it's so weird because the decks that are good, I mean, like, obviously Semblance is the only way you're going to get this to work, right? I guess it's like your channel Mount Heroic in a weird way. Um, right, or if you're playing um, Passing Mirage, which this, this deck is, uh, yeah. also another way to keep it safe. Uh, yeah, that actually does make a lot of sense, is with Passing Mirage. Um, God, what a weird card. I love it. Um, maybe it's time to pick up a Cold Foil one. While they're like ten dollars, mm, right? <laughs> they're all the all the prism, uh, you know, getting LL is uh, driving these prices down. I imagine they've got to be. You would think. Uh, we'll get to that later. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, speaking of prism getting LL, and speaking of this oh, battle hardened, boy. where we had two <laughs> prisms in the top eight, it was, oh. if I am not mistaken, the only deck with two entries in the top eight. Um. It didn't yeah. get there. You got However, three inches in top eight, uh, Prism. Oh, did it? Eighth, yeah. fourth, second. Wow, disgusting. Brandon, Peter, and Jordan. That's what I'm saying, you know? Yeah. Too much Prism. Um, weird. The, uh, so here's what's interesting, right? Um, we have both been aware of something for a little bit of time now, and that is something that the rest of Flesh and Blood Twitter is now figuring out this week. And that is that one of our local pro quests uh, had the winning deck misreported as Starvo instead yes. of Prism, Sculptor of Arc Light, in a little thing that we're calling Prism Gate. Uh, so theoretically, Prism should have LL'd already. Um, that, that's assuming that, I mean, obviously it's, it's hard to assume otherwise because, I mean, we don't know them to be able to mess this up like that, but we're assuming that they, the store reported it wrong and that the um, LSS took whatever the store reported and put that as the result, right? There could be some sort of uh, conflict between that story. Like maybe the store reported it correctly and LSS fudged it, or uh, maybe the store reported it wrong but lss fixed it i don't know like some people are suggesting that it the 
the fact that Will's name is on the Starville list doesn't reflect in his living legend points or that his points were correctly allocated to Prism, but there's no way for them to even actually know that. Yeah. And the most likely case is probably the actual case in that it was misreported. And so for a while, like you said, like, I don't think anyone wanted anyone really bothered, like, you know, making a fuss out of it because it's like, well, what are the chances a hero is going to be so, so slim away from a living legend by, you know, a sheer however many points you'd get from a, uh, from a pro quest. But here we are. And, uh, yeah, it turns out that it would have actually made Prism LL at the last, uh, at the last update. Yeah. Had had Um, it been reported correctly. So I, if I'm LSS, I don't do anything about this. Uh, I think it opens up a massive can of worms where suddenly you have to go through and audit all of these pro quests. And there were, I mean, I'm, there probably weren't a thousand of them, but you know what I mean? There were a significant amount of these. And right. It's such a difficult thing to audit as well. Um, I just think you don't open the can of worms. I think you just leave it where it is. Um, and I mean, who's to say? I mean, it's odd that they're not saying anything about it, but obviously you can't say anything about it because then you need to go back and you need to audit every single ProQuest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just such a... Like, for all we know, they go through, they audit all these ProQuests and Prism, like, drops 200 LL points. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like a... It's like yeah. a, it's like one of those situations. So it's it's bizarre. It uh, It's interesting to see, like... uh like my LGS and like a pro quest that I like judged and like all my friends played at, including yourself. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's super weird. Uh, I will tell you this. this though, on Twitter. Yeah. I will tell you this though. Um, Colby, the guy who played against him, uh, they played a mirror match. He has been uh, talking to me about this and he's been actually pursuing it e- with emails. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so he's been sending them like as much info as he has, like obviously to prove that it occurred that he was his opponent and they were playing what they were playing. You have the pictures from Hey Wanna Play's original post about the event, and in the pictures you can clearly see there's a mirror match with you and me actually both standing opposite of each other <laughs> watching this uh watching this game occur. And uh they were both playing Prism. And then he actually has um Let's see. I'm trying to find it exactly where it was. Um, let's see. Uh, sorry. Because he had a, a response from the guy, um, one of the head people. Maybe this was on the Discord. I apologize. But essentially, brief, to keep it brief, um, Alan uh, something. Uh, he works at LSS. And he Alan actually, Hale, yeah. Yes, Alan Hale. So yeah, Alan Hale um, responded to somebody. I think maybe Hasiel on Twitter or um, Colby in one of these uh, screenshots he sent me uh, to send him more information via email. Oh, I've been there so before. To that. So they're not going to get an email back. They they missed they missed emails apparently. Oh, uh, fascinating. And then Colby um, claims that he got a response, but he says, thank you for bringing this to our attention. I have passed it on to the team to have a look into. And that is, is about as far as I have heard so far. 
So we'll see. I think that's <laughs> I think that's all we're gonna hear until Prism does LL, and then maybe they'll address it afterwards. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd honestly I'd like at least an addressment of the situation. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Um, yeah, especially uh, LSS has been so transparent about everything. You know what I mean? It's kind of weird. Yeah, uh, it's such a weird thing because it's like, like you said, it's like it opens up a can of worms. It's a slippery slope. Um, they can't really, it's, it's almost like when they, um, it's almost like when they gave the championship to Matthew folks, but then afterwards realized that there may have been some serious, uh, angle shooting occurring during that event and maybe blatant cheating. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that as a question mark, not accusatory, but question mark cheating. Uh, and they decided that they were going to let the results stand after investigating. Because, I mean, yeah. imagine, like, there's a precedent of somebody winning a tournament, and then because they reviewed footage, they said, actually, no, never mind. Sorry to end your celebration, but you did not win this tournament. <laughs> yeah, I I think I, I think you're correct. It's just, there's a, there's a lot of weird stuff going on where maybe... Maybe Twitter's just a little too close to the ground. They're like a little too far uh, from Twitter. I don't know. It's interesting. I guess uh, there's really no way for them to do this uh, successfully. And I kind of agree with sure. Yeah, I kind of agree with them just avoiding this uh, on all levels. I mean, obviously, they should say something eventually. But they, uh, I mean, if they're just like, listen, it's just like we would have to go back and audit 500 ProQuest to make sure the data was correct. And we are very confident in our data despite this one thing. But who knows? Like, it's just too too much to do. We're sure Prismal LL in a good time frame. I don't think yeah. anybody but like the most hardcore, I love being pissed about stuff. People would be pissed about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree 100%. <laughs> I, I don't think like, the thing is like, ideally, like, to me, I would love Prism to be LL. That's a I personal wouldn't. preference. Um. <laughs> uh, yes, and exactly. Your personal preference would be for Prism to stay legal forever. Um, yeah. But it's like it wouldn't have been this large of a controversy had she uh, been not as close to Living Legend, right? Like, we're all still relying on, like, a big tournament to finally do her in, right? And the amount of points that she would gain from that tournament if that was exactly as many as she needed to living legend, like say it's 30, I don't know the exact number, say it was 970 living legend points. This pro quest would be like a blip in that like entire like equation. Absolutely. So like it um, wouldn't even factor in. Right. It, yeah, it is. It's, it's a, it's a shame that it wasn't accounted for. Cause now we're in this situation. Like, well, shit. <laughs> yeah. Right. Can you imagine if she was four LL points away and be like, ah, it doesn't, yeah right <laughs> what is a uh, proquest only like three points or something uh at the time proquests were three but they were made for for the uh, for the proquest season that occurred after that okay um, that's funny though right almost right on the dot you're right like she'd be uh one thousand and one living legend points yeah right so i don't know it's interesting i think um I hope they do something about it. And I know one of the main reasons that people want them to do something about it. But let's be real. 
We got a bunch of info about Worlds this week, and Prism does not make Worlds. There's like a six-person Nationals event going on in like, I don't know, like Transnisteria, which is like a Eastern Bloc country that probably doesn't have flesh and blood. Um, they're not even recognized by NATO. Or yeah, I don't know. What are all the I don't know. The UN. Uh, that's the what UN, they are. Yeah, that's, that would be Europe or something. Okay. <laughs> that would be the United Nations. Okay. I don't I don't know uh what country that might be, but it could be could be uh could be a very prism heavy meta down there, you know? So the country I was referring to, I had to Google it just to be sure, but I'm referring to the Pridnes the Pridnestrovian Maldavian Moldavian Republic, which is an <laughs> unrecognized state that is internationally kind of part of Moldova. Um <laughs> well, I don't even know what Moldova is. It's a country, made that that a country inside of it that may or may not be real. Uh, it's next to Romania. It's one of those Eastern Bloc countries. It's the countries that you never hear about because mentally you just filed them away as Russia. Um, Damn. There's a, <laughs> there's a bunch of them like that. Uh, so it's interesting. I have looked through these nationals and there's a lot of them that are like mm -hmm. armories. Russia would categorize them as Russia. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like, I mean, have you looked through like the the nationals that are coming up? Because it's it's like, a lot. It, it's a lot. <laughs> what do we have? Three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen, eighteen, twenty-one, twenty-four, twenty-seven, thirty, thirty-three, thirty-six tournaments that Prism can't win. Um, <laughs> so I think, geez, that would be <laughs> abysmal if she actually did not win a yeah, single right? national. Uh, I guarantee you, she wins one of these. Um, whether it's it's the Ireland National Championships, huh? With a player cap of forty eight, um, yeah. And so I, it's it's stuff like that. Um, I'm trying to. There was one of them that had like a sixteen player cap, and I can't I can't find it for the life uh, of me. Slovenia, maybe. Oh, that's all to be announced. That's actually forty eight player cap. They seem to all have a forty eight player cap. Maybe. Mm. Oh, Lithuania 28. Congratulations, Lithuania. Um, so essentially, I mean, Prism's going to hit LL before Worlds. I know a lot of people want her to LL before Nationals, but I think just... I think the threat of Prism diversifies the meta in a very good way right now. Because um, she's not the best deck, but she keeps a lot of decks in check. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what happens. I don't know if it's a good thing or not, but I guarantee you by the end of national season, Prism Honestly, is a living legend. To be honest, if it means I get to face against less Guardians, that's fine. I'm okay with yeah. that. Yeah. Less log matches, more playing. Yeah, right? I'm okay with this. Um, I was trying to think of something that rhymed with slog that'd be funny, but there, I can't think of anything. Blog. Uh, yeah, right? Less blog, more blog. That's not what I was going for. More vlogs. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but the world championship, right? Um, the uh, I I really love the way that they started, like the article about the world championships. They started. They were like fifty thousand armory events, two thousand skirmishes, six hundred pro quests, five hundred road to nationals. 64 national championships, 18 callings, and two pro tours. And a partridge in a pear tree. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, world championships, it's going to be in San Jose. Uh, a truly one-of-a-kind event. Um, 
They're gonna they're gonna be running a CC calling, a blitz battle harden, three full days of side events. It's gonna be sweet. Um, however, this announcement was not without some controversy. Um, oh yeah, Matt, what do you think about this being draft CC and blitz? It is the uh, triathlon of flesh and blood. And I like yeah. it. I honestly, I like this. Uh, to be fair, though, I don't know if they've done themselves. a dis- They may have done themselves a disservice by continually categorizing Blitz as like a not so competitive format. Yeah. And only like only hosting like, uh, you know, regular REL, like to use magic term uh like you know casual tournament level play for blitz like uh skirmishes uh there haven't been other than of course like the um the battle hardens that have been around right um for the most part blitz hasn't really been focused on as far as and tuned as far as like classic classic constructed goes so i get people's a little bit frustration but i do like the idea of testing your skills in all aspects of flesh and blood to determine who is the world championship. It's it's so fitting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and especially, I do agree that Blitz has gotten more skill based lately. Uh, I do think a couple cards need to be hit. Um, like, uh, I don't think Plunder Run should be legal in Blitz. Uh, it doesn't make that big of a difference, but if your opponent is on, like, a Briar and is able to, um, I don't know, creepers in a plunder run it's like almost always game for them yeah uh so yeah, i don't know it's a good card i think the the list of legal cards could be tightened up a little bit but like if you play a icelander versus bravo match in current blitz right now it's actually fun and very skill intensive it's very interesting hmm. um yeah i don't play enough blitz to really like have that experience you know well that's because it sucks but uh the- <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of us play that much Blitz. It's um, it's just it's not as fun as CC. Let's be real. I mean, obviously, it's easier for new players to get into Blitz. It's easier to have time for Blitz. Um, I understand that it's a very different format where heroes scale differently, so there's different viable heroes like Icelander. I understand that people try to make her work in CC, but the amount of damage she's capable of putting out turn after turn just does not scale correctly. Uh, compared to classic constructed like it scales very well for blitz though and right i don't know it's a it's an interesting format right now um and uh, i i i'm not all that upset they included it i wish they were i wish they were kind of um I wish they would have talked about it a different way. So people were very upset when they announced Blitz. Like, because Blitz, let's be honest, yeah. it can be a little coin flippy. There is significantly more variance involved than there is in CC. Um, but James White like gave very anecdotal evidence about like um elite players having good records and Blitz. Yes. Um, and I didn't like that. I I just didn't. It was just very anecdotal. I didn't like that. Agreed. So, you know, I don't know. It, it blitzes. I don't know. We've had a lot of experience playing Blitz. We played like three. You and me have played th- at least two or three seasons of skirmishes. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Absolutely. 
And then I know our other local players have been playing a little longer, some of them. So they've been playing probably since season uh, two, maybe. Um, and they, you know, as far as like the more recent metas go, Blitz has been very coin flippy. And it's it's just a matter of like, it's, it's crazy how like, it, it's, I don't like that a deck decides whether to go first or second because of the tempo that they gain by going first or second. Like that just does not drive. You know what I mean? Like the fact that Phi can be like, "Oh, I win or lose because I go first or second. Like, I don't yeah. know. It, the the that's just one little thing, you know. And there are multiple other things to be concerned about. And, and the health totals um, are so low that games can be over and decided within the first two turns. There's yeah. not time to regain tempo as there is in CC. You know, you can be behind, but then suddenly take a large, you know turn around the corner and just start sprinting, you know, and uh, you regain that traction. Absolutely. It, um, I don't know. It's weird. I don't like it. I feel like the ability to, I feel like one of the primary skill breakpoints in flesh and blood is being able to set up a turn where you regain tempo mm -hmm. and a format that doesn't include that, I think isn't that great. And I, Maybe the only reason I'm biased towards that is I feel like I like I have a lot of weak points as a flesh and blood player, but being able to like pick a spot to regain tempo, I feel like is one of my strong suits. And maybe that's why I'm innately biased. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, it, it's it's the game. It's the game mode where it is increasingly difficult to make a comeback with each passing turn. And with each passing turn, your life total gets closer and closer to single digit. And that means the fewer and fewer cards you're going to be allowed and afforded to start your turn with. And once you're starting your turn with one or two cards, you are not playing the game anymore. You are essentially playing a waiting game till you die. Yeah, absolutely. That's um, just how it is. And that, or, or, or even worse than that, you're waiting for your opponent to run out of luck and just draw a shit hand, which is like not what we really want to be happening like this is not the kind of game that we're it's not magic right we don't want our opponents to start top decking lands or top decking like cards no lands right that's not this it's not magic so we shouldn't be relying on winning or losing all on the fate of what's on top of our decks or my opponent's deck you know yeah i agree completely so I hope that before Worlds, we see Blitz to be tuned a little bit more. Um, in a weird way, I think it is. I think what's happening is... I mean, th and that always seems to be... like The way James White talks is he's always like a set and a half ahead of us. So he's not... I feel like he has a hard time understanding the cards we have available where he is in like a different level of design Right, he's space. a fucking... He's a fucking time traveler. Like, he's literally yeah, he's speaking to us. He's <laughs> speaking to us from like December. Yeah. Uh, and Christmas was canceled. Uh, so we'll see. Um, the other thing that got announced this week, along with the world championships, is Dynasty Warriors 10. Or as I'm like, or <laughs> I don't know if you have seen this, but all of the flesh and blood dynasty marketing so far looks like a brand new Dynasty Warriors game. Um, it is yeah, fantastic. It, it's cool looking. I mean, you got the dude. You've got the piece. dude. You've got Lubu. Um, the <laughs> he definitely looks like Lubu straight out of Command and Conquer. Uh, you know, it's they, or he's, they show he's more, the 
He's got more regalia than the guy in Command and Conquer. He's definitely a higher rank. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. He definitely has, like, some sorcerer stuff. Um, like, uh, I don't know, maybe his sword floats. So I, they have said that he is a wizard. We talked about this last week. They've shown a picture of him. He has a very well-cropped, like, uh, like beard situation. It looks great. Um, I would like to talk about part of this reveal. And Matt, I, when I was doing the pre-show for this, I was going through my head and I realized that I had not talked to you about this this week. So I'm very excited to talk to you about this. Um, when looking at the initial, like when they were like, hey, we're giving you Dynasty info on August 30th. Uh, did you notice that the main image there was uh, a new card back? What? Oh, yeah. Uh, so this is what's fascinating is that the logo was done in the side like it was done in the style of a card back. Um, get, which 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 uh, article is this? Now I have to find it. Uh, that's what that's the worst part. Um, so I'm going to find this real quick while we talk this over. So that's what's very interesting, right, is there is a new card back involved. Um, I'm going to dig this out. It is a real thing. Um, let's see. Let's do a little hashtag fab TCG dynasty. I've actually got to remember, like, who sent this to me in the first place. Um, okay, here we go. Here we go. Uh, this is part of it. Uh, where is this? Where is this? Well, okay. Um, while I dig this up, I'll talk to you about my theories on the new card back. And... Yeah. That is, I do not believe that the Emperor will be, I believe he will be a hero, but I do not believe he will be a playable character. Um, you think he'll be I a think, promo? No, I think this new card back is uh, going to be very similar to what the Final Fantasy trading card game does, where they have a different card back for their multiplayer PvE-only cards. And with the story oh, of Dynasty... Wow of Fi and Jermai joining together to now go up against the Emperor. I mean, I think that Dynasty is going to be a PvE-focused set that includes constructed prints and that the PvE-only cards are going to have this new card back. So something that strikes me about this immediately is the fact that it has... It it said it just says in the bottom without like any emphasis on dynasty as like its own trademarked like title for a set. It just says dynasty info colon August thirtieth. Right, that kind of gives me red flags. Like this just seems like maybe an insert or like a like a ad card. That I could be wrong. wrong. I could be wrong, but the way it's the way it looks, it's not centered. Right. Well, I also the, just think this is the I think that they were just throwing um I think they were just throwing text over a new oh, card. Okay. Back. Well, like, I still I think, think that yeah, the flesh the and blood logo though. The flesh and blood logo, I don't know if it would actually be placed there. I I don't like it like not centered. In a weird way, to me it makes sense for it to be not centered so that it's clearly different from the other cards. You know what I mean? If it were centered, then it'd be kind of it wouldn't it wouldn't be as easy to sort through them looking at the card back. Okay. Um I also I just think it would 
it would be weird for them to insert another wizard so quickly. Um, and my uh, editor, yeah, go ahead. So I don't know. That is my personal theory: is that we are going to be getting PVE, and that's not necessarily to say that it's Dynasty as a set. Like this could be this deck could be a supplemental product that comes along with Dynasty, but I think it would make sense in terms of a second small set for the year to be PVE focused like that. I don't know. It makes sense to me. So what this this looks to me like, you know, uh, short sightedness as far as like making a new card back to be inserted into packs. And as far as like it being a PVE only card back, it is still short sighted because if you're going to be shuffling cards in the deck together, that are from different sets like this is clearly a dynasty exclusive type art and not to mention it also just says dynasty on the bottom if you had a new set that dropped like next year that was called like i don't know meadows or whatever and it had different art it wouldn't really shuffle together without being blatantly different if you had to yeah. like draw hidden cards right from some uh hidden zone right it would not it wouldn't work that way. It wouldn't work well from drawing hidden from hidden zones. Unless that's just what PvE is about. Like there's no hidden zones in PvE. But well, I think it's um I think it's not like I don't think you would put a card with this card back in your deck. I think this would exclusively belong to like the Emperor's deck that you play. Right. Against. But what if the Emperor's deck can be changed in the future with like new releases and stuff? That's what I'm saying. Like if this if we're talking about this being just another version of like fight the hydra from like magic the gathering yeah i don't really like that but if we're talking about it being like a customizable experience then this doesn't work yeah i think that makes sense as well i i will say though i don't agree that it's an ad insert um because the next set is dynasty and they're not printing anything that they would advertise Dynasty in before they advertise Dynasty. And it would be weird for Dynasty to advertise itself. That's true. You know, <laughs> that's true. Um, that said, it could just be that like some board graphic designer was like working on this and just happened to have like the black perfect silhouette of a flesh and blood card. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get, um, I get it. This definitely is the back to something. I don't know what. But it's probably the back to something. What if it is the... Okay, so, okay, maybe we meet in the middle here. What if it is the back to tokens that can only be used in a PvE environment? Ah, see, I, 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 I probably could be that. Or just the Emperor, the heroes themselves, the Emperor, you know? Yeah. Could be. So, I don't know. That is my, uh, that is my personal <laughs> theory. Um, Tinfoil hat. Going for it. Uh, All right. <laughs> So I don't know. Um, we drew I mean, the line we also, the saw, we also saw full art of the emperor. He's really cool looking. Um, and he's got a sword, uh, which is really cool. Uh, because usually if you have a sword and you're a wizard, you're a rune blade, but apparently not. Um, so that's just flesh and blood logic, <laughs> right? So I don't know. I think it's really cool. Uh, we're also going to see a new class. They said, and it's very bizarre. Like, so I don't know. I think we're going to see an alchemist. I think that makes the most sense for a supplemental set. Um, but yeah, thank God it's not another merchant, right? <laughs> that would suck. That would they suck. need to give we, merchants all, bows and spears. Like, although uh, I'd like to see some uh, merchant equipment. That would be cool. 
right? Like Merchant is like the best class in Octopath Traveler. Like, let's get that going, Flesh and Blood. Like, I spent so long since I played that game. I'm actually in the middle of a playthrough right now. That's why I oh, bring it up. Um, nice. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't make a reference. <laughs> so, so I don't know. Uh, so, Matt, um, that does it for the news this week. I do want to talk about some prices and things that are happening. Um, okay. Lay it on me, because I've actually been pretty... Uh, I've abstained from looking at the market movement uh, in the last week or two, so... I'm going to need a little bit of an update if I'm going to be spending my my greenbacks on some flesh and blood. So the so this is a uh, Corsham has taken a huge dive um, and it is down to one hundred and five. I see them regularly sell on Facebook for one hundred dollars. Um, almost every fabled across the board has dropped by at least five dollars. Um, uh, blood of Drakai is actually down to 80. Uh, which is fascinating. Um, so let's talk about the major price dives in the world of legendaries this week. So mask of momentum down to $120 from 140 last week, A $20 shift in the mask of momentum is fascinating. I think it's because Ooh. everybody that was going to play Fi has played Fi and built it. And we are seeing a uh, a saturation of the demand for Phi decks. I don't think anybody is still sitting there trying to build Phi right now, and I think that is causing prices to drop. Yeah, um, I, gu- I guess that makes sense. I mean, our massive momentum just uh, is just not really all that great in that deck. Also, it's like a sideboard card, right? If I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's really good in the aggro matchup because you force your opponent to block. Okay, that's uh, right. It's uh, so like it's really good against like Briar or in the Phi Mirror. Um, any any anywhere where you are going to be going wide by default and you want to get cards out of their hands. So let's talk about the biggest nose dive this week. Carrion Husk from 115 down to 67. Um, I don't know what happened here, but people are unloading. I don't know if this has to do with the end of skirmish season, where pe- a lot of people were on chain. Chain was very good. The skirmish Wait, season. So was Carrion Husk 115 during skirmish season? Yeah, it was. What? I could have so, sold mine. <laughs> you could have. You could have sold it Damn last it. week. Damn uh, it. 115. So it's down to $67. I'm going to pick one up now. Um, I've got one. Yeah, I don't want to hold it for Levia. Why yeah, not? you might as well. I mean, they're going to print well. more shadow cards. They're not. It's not like shadows are over. Yeah, um, that's true. the The legendary that took the biggest jump this week is the Heart of Ice. Has gone from ninety to one hundred and twenty, which is fascinating to me. Uh, this card is very good. It just doesn't really see play anywhere. Um, and I don't think we're getting new ice heroes anytime soon. So I, uh, I don't know. I don't know why this card is increasing in value. Probably Ultim sideboards, and Ultim just made a uh, battle heart in top. Oh, that's true. I wonder if I'm actually going to bring this up very quickly in the background. Um, they were not running it. <laughs> okay, so so it's probably uh, debunked. Icelander tech. Uh, I don't know. It feels weird. I use it for Icelander, but 
It is really because. weird. It's like a I mean it makes sense in Icelander. It just gives you more of a gives you more of that channel like well so, on your turn at least in the mare match maybe. Yeah. Yeah, actually that actually that makes a lot of sense right now now that you mention it. Mm-hmm. Huh. That makes a fascinating amount of sense. That's really good tech. Uh, that's I that's probably better than Alluvion Constellus. Um it's the end. This one's still got arcane barrier. Yeah. Huh. That makes sense. Uh so that's interesting to me that that card went up. Um Crown of Providence is going down. Um I'm seeing it sell for reasonable prices now. It's around 137. New Horizons still around 140 because Lexi fans it are gonna Lexi fans. Incredible the persistence of New Horizons, the price. It's just it's unbelievable. And you know it's crazy though, that you know that this how it's you can pinpoint exactly the reason why this card is as expensive as it is it, it's because yeah. of playability and it's and it's only in demand because of its playability and you can also see it in how uh cold foils and rainbow foils are being sold all yeah. around the same exact price i saw a cold foil one for a buck oh five last week and i didn't buy it i've been kicking myself I, I was like it's one of the few legendaries i still need to pick up um, big big mistake yeah i am so there's a couple there's a couple i want to pick up uh it is interesting though i think we are seeing a noted effect at the like skirmish season ending like cards that are very good in blitz only uh specifically legendaries um the most the I, I think the two biggest examples right of legendaries that are significantly better in blitz than they are in any other format are uh valiant dynamo right yeah um that is a Kasai card through and through. That went from 115 to 100, which is uh that is a significant shift, right? That's over 12 and a half percent, which in general is like the variance that I like to look for, one standard deviation. Um and then the uh the other big one, like we already talked about uh carrying Hus going down. Matt, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Off the top of your head, can you think of another legendary that is only like that is significantly better in Blitz than any other format? Other than Carrion Husk? Yeah, there is a third one. It does see it does see play in CC, but it is a it is a Blitz card, in my opinion. Uh Sarkanized Cold Cap. Uh, that would make a lot of sense, but it isn't. Skullcap is still uh, still Skullcap is eighty five dollars. That's funny. Uh, Striders. Oh, well, that, that was also the uh, Arcane Rising Skullcap. The uh, Everfest one's like seventy bucks. But yeah, Striders. Yeah. Jeez, one thirty three. Yeah, Striders. When we did this last week, was one hundred and fifty seven. Was it? Um, Holy shit! Yeah, I mean. At that rate, like, uh, I mean, a $24 shift is still significant. We're looking at about $19 of variation before it becomes a significant amount. Um, and I mean, going down to 133, I think what we're just seeing there is that this was a blitz card. It's out of demand. Um, I think what happened was people had built their decks prior to skirmish season, right? So we're not seeing like people getting out of what I call blitz legendaries and getting into CC legendaries. Uh-huh. Uh, I think people just had those decks built. And um, what we are seeing is across the board by a very small amount, 
uh, the total legendary index, which is what I'm referring to as the total uh, TCG market price of all of the of all of the legendaries and their non cold foil first printings. Obviously, we talked about this last week. Stalagmite and silver palms not included. Uh, they are included in this index, but obviously they only exist in cold foil. So we are adding the cold foil price to this. We have seen the entire index go down by about one hundred and fifty dollars, uh, which is not. Um, and that's, that's what not the, all that significant. And that's what it looks like today. Uh, yeah. So if you want to pick up every legendary today, it uh, would cost you twenty four forty seven. Um, wow. We have also seen a fifty dollar drop in the fable index, but I think that makes sense. People are at a point where they are realizing uh, once Prism l rotates, there will only be two playable legendaries or two playable fables in this game, and that is the Eye of Ophidia and. You know it, you love it. It's uh, the mm -hmm. Arknight Shard. <laughs> yeah, you know it. And it's funny, though, the price of those are both significantly higher than most other uh, Fables, clearly, because of their playability. It's also interesting to me to see Grandeur so high. Um, uh, I mean, it's been... It, it's it's the newest, like, Fabled other than the Blood of Jakai. And I think yeah. it's just been hard for it to get uh, further down. You know, I don't know. It, it's it feels like people are still uh, holding it to a high, somewhat high uh, degree since it's a first edition only product. Yeah, it's the, la it's the last first edition product where there's no rainbow foil of it out yet. So if you want it, you need a cold foil. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, so I guess uh, the question now. Right. If I were to ask myself a question, which I do all the time, I would say, Doug, if I'm going to pick up some legendaries this week, what should I pick up? Um, and I think the my call of the week uh, in terms of what is worth picking up, I think Carrion Husk is not going to go anywhere with its current price. I think the card we pick up is Spellbound Creepers, which was at 115 last week, now down to 100 even. I think that is the absolute floor for spellbound creepers. Uh, we are seeing Viscera you know I, get better. You know what I want to. You know what I think. What? I think that um, depending on how Living Legend and all that stuff plays out, uh, I know Viscera is not really too close to Living Legend, but uh, I think that I think spellbound creepers might be overpriced. Interesting. Please. I mean, not by too, yours. not by too much, but it, it just does. It feels like it probably is like maybe an eighty dollar equipment. I mean, considering grass with the Arknights, a hundred dollars, uh, a little bit harder to get, even as a unlimited. You know, and then the grass with the Arknight from History Pack is eighty bucks. I think creepers around eighty bucks is reasonable, and uh, if. For some, if Viscera ever Living Legends, it's probably a $60 legendary. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that wholeheartedly. It just, it's not a good Briar card. It, um, yeah, it just doesn't play very well into the other rune blades, uh, that are currently legal, which is just yeah. one other one. <laughs> um, the other card I'm going to say that is worth picking up this week is, uh, is Coronet. Um, this is a card that is at $40 right now. I think that is the floor. You always, buy, 
Yeah, always buy $40 legendaries. 40 and under. Especially anybody that's played against an ice deck running Coronet, you know that card's a massive pain in the ass. Um, So, uh, I think it's worth picking up at 40. Looking over the other cards, um, I think Valiant Dynamo at 100 is worth considering. I don't know if I'd necessarily pick it up at 100. Um, Especially, I think, if you can get that card around 80, I don't think we'll ever see those prices again, but that that to me is really good. I uh, I think here I stay away from Striders at 133. I think we're going off some wizard hype. To be fair though, maybe we're completely wrong about the Emperor. Maybe he's a new hero. Maybe Storm Striders sees a new home and this card goes to $300 like we saw with Phantasmal Footsteps. So, you know, I think I think Braveforge Bracers actually is a good pickup. At $49, I Mo- I agree more than uh, more than the uh Dynamos because think about this like uh warrior every every so often sort of like dips back in and out of the meta right bolton's been left alone on, on his own for far too long uh dorinthia is like getting a taste of blood right now in the meta uh all it was all they require is a new set to release some sick spicy warrior tech and it's like over you yeah. know what i mean like the rise of warrior returns and then we already have Glistening Steelblade like peaking like $30. I don't know where it's at now. Um, it probably is still 30-ish dollars. The Dorinthia yeah, deck's getting better and better. Um, I think Braveforge Bracers at $49 is incredible. Yeah, I think, I mean, just having a having a Crater Fist as a warrior is really good, but it's not even that. It, it's, uh, it's battle-worn. So you can uh, you can continue to use the effect once a year, uh, which is about the amount of times I feel like I get to use it. But it's still a very, very good legendary. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That's uh, I think that about wraps it up for the market this week. Again, we'll be here next week with updates. By then, we'll have more data. We'll be able to make some better decisions. Uh, we only have two weeks of data currently, and I'm excited to add a third. Because uh, if there's one thing I love, Matt, is data. data. <laughs> you know, if there's one thing I love, it's data doll. That's true. When is data doll legal? And when is data doll viable? And data doll Mark James four. White. James adult, White, tell me. Adult data doll. Data doll Mark four. Mark Coming four data Dynasty. doll. Let's go. It turns out there was no emperor. It was a robot the whole time. They're going for the Wizard of Oz twist. Goddamn that synth. happens. Oh my gosh, <laughs> my brain will explode. She was a synth amazing. Made. Oh my god. Actually, how amazing would that be if the wizard was Data Doll? I think that would just be some of the best lore they could add to this game. Um, <laughs> 9 out of 10. I actually really love that. I like I said it as a joke at first, but it's got me really excited. I don't I know it's not gonna happen <laughs> because obviously LSS hasn't hired the greatest writer in the world, me. Uh but but what a twist it right? all secretly uh makes her move into the meta by con- concealing herself as the emperor <laughs> and getting right? microprocessor uh uh dual uh quad core microprocessor <laughs> oh my gosh mark two I, i'm not gonna <laughs> shut up about this for a while i love this um <laughs> all right well i think that about does it for the pitch deck podcast episode 22 oh, um man. 
what a and what an episode it was. Data doll truthers. Data doll <laughs> is the emperor. Just wait. Just wait. Uh, Matt, anything to add before we close? Nah, I think we covered most of it all. Yeah, we did. Feels good. It's a great episode. Cool. All right. Well, we will see you all next week. Until.